Oceans and rivers have fascinated poets, artists, and writers pretty much for all of human history. The ebbs and flows, the depths and shallows, they symbolize the journey our lives take from beginning to end. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton and this is Growing Bolder. And today, someone who's lived most all of her 101 years on the ocean. Also a man who's dedicated his life to protecting our rivers and streams and why in doing that, what he's really doing is protecting us. We're going to take you to the coastal city of Jacksonville today to speak with sports star Donna Orender about her efforts in the fight for gender equality. And then we're going to head up to coastal New England to talk with Virginia Oliver. She's that 101-year-old that Bill mentioned. She still goes out on the ocean lobstering with her son just about every day, as she has for most of her life. But first, we've got a guy who started out as a shell diver who became so appalled by the amount of garbage in the river that he decided that if nobody else was going to do anything about it, he would. Wait till you hear how far he's come. Ordinary people living extraordinary lives, it is time for Growing Boulder. Get ready, because this is going to be another one of our favorite types of interviews, the kind where we talk to someone who's done something so important, so cool, so improbable, that first of all, it's just great to hear them tell their story, but second, it's inspiring to hear how one person can make that big a difference. In fact, it's part of Growing Bolder to understand that ordinary people can live extraordinary lives. So, how do I describe our next guest? He's a difference maker, a motivator, a get things done kind of guy. And here's a story. Where he grew up, the Mississippi River was basically his backyard. One of his first jobs was as a shell diver in the Mississippi. But what he found down there was trash and junk and garbage. It bugged him. And he made a decision at the age of 17 that somebody had to do something about it. Well, since that day in 1998, he, the organization he founded called Living Lands and Waters, they've removed over 10 million pounds of pollution. They've cleaned up more than two dozen rivers in over 20 states. So how did that happen? How did one person light the spark? Let's say hi to Chad Pagracki to find out. Chad, how you doing, man? Doing great. How you doing? You're, You're something else. You know, obviously, Chad... You believed for some reason that you could make a difference. Why why is it most of us don't think we can? That's a big question. But first, I just want to say thanks a lot for having me on. It's a real honor. And and I think you do a really good job at what you do, man. That's like, and I love this. uh, Your passion shines through. So just want to throw that out there real quick. And uh, to answer your question, um, I, I don't know, but I wish more people did. Um, know that they can make a difference, and it, it's part of the message that that I like to convey through through my work to clean up rivers. And you know, I, I certainly don't do it alone. I've had the help of a lot of people. Like I've worked side by side with 118,000 volunteers, and I and I have wonderful staff of people that are just as equally dedicated. But uh, it, I did start it out, and and uh, that's one thing I've learned that each and every one of us can make a big difference. I think we get hung up on that too, Chad, to think that, well, you know, what difference can I make? Because in your head, you're envisioning you're by yourself the whole way through. But the magic of what happens in the world 
is a yeah. guy like you comes along and you've got an idea, you, you have a cleanup, you, you, you start getting a group of friends together or like-minded people, and that just continues to grow. And somebody else knows somebody in the media and somebody else knows the CEO of some company. And the next thing you know, you, you, you've done something significant. And, and, and exactly everybody you described in that, from friends to CEOs and random people, like that's what it's taken to, to not only get the rivers clean, but to try to keep them clean. And it, it really has taken teamwork. And, and uh, I can't stress that enough. But, you know, sometimes things start with one person. And, and I, you know, there was already a movement for cleaner rivers going on when I started. But the timing you know, it was starting to, especially on the Mississippi, it was starting to come into play. Like people were starting to see it as a treasure, not like a, a, you know, place to throw trash and carry it away or a sewer for that matter. And so, you know, I, I did start this at the right time, but it didn't start easy. It took a lot. It took about four years of a lot of people telling me no before I, you know, before I got that one, one person to say, you know what, I like this. I believe in you and, and let's try to make this happen. So, you know, I mean, it's awesome that you didn't get discouraged. I mean, if it's one thing I remember in my head is my parents going, no means no. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. you didn't get that message. No, uh, no, I, I, I didn't. No, and the thing was, it's like, you know, I'm just of average intelligence, but, uh, but I, I knew then and I still know, like, you know, that it, it's a problem. And I personally thought that I could do something about it. And, and you know, the trash in our rivers, and we're, we're not talking just, little stuff we're talking thousands upon thousands of disregarded barrels and tires and appliances and sunken boats and cars and you know all, all those kind of things and i was i kept seeing it but knowing that i i physically could do something about it and I, it was you know and make a difference and have results and i knew that need to be done and the mississippi river is like a national treasure and that's how i looked at it and it's my backyard and and I thought it was kind of, I mean, still is it, it's a patriotic thing that we're doing, you know, and, uh, and like, there's different ways to serve your country. And this is just one way, but you know, as far as on the lead of, of making a difference, like if everybody just took up a cause, you know, whatever that cause is, the world, just be a lot better place. There's no question. And, 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 and people are more powerful than what they think, especially young kids too are, are very powerful. And I just, uh, yeah. When you're a 17-year-old kid, okay, and you're, you're diving in to, to do what you're doing, collecting shells or whatever, we don't really get it because we haven't seen it. We just imagine. How, how bad is it, and, and what was your thought? Um, it, well, it, let's just say, I mean, just to focus on the positive, from what it was to what it is, it, it's been a transformation as far as garbage out on the river. Like, And it's not just me noticing it. It's the towboat pilots, the commercial fishermen, the bass fishermen, the, the bird watchers, you know, just paddlers, like a lot of people have said, what a difference you've made. And, and I'm, I'm not taking the credit. I'm just part of it. Like I have a lot of help. So, uh, but yeah, we, we've made a big difference. And, you know, what I first saw out there was terrible. And, and truthfully, right now I'm on a barge uh, on the Ohio River. That's I'm in the classroom um, in our headquarters here at Living Lands and Waters. But um it's still really bad in a lot of places. Like there are places we work where it is literally, it looks like it snowed for miles and the shore, but it's not snow, it's garbage. And so, you know, there's, 
a lot of work has been done, a lot of progress, but there are a lot of places that need our help and, and, uh, and a lot of work to do. So, but I feel like truthfully, I'm just kind of just getting started. I, I love what I do and I a wonderful team. So, you know, yeah, it's awesome. We understand that it, it does take one person to get that ball rolling, but maybe your greatest gift, Chad, is the leadership that you provide and the ability to inspire us to want to help you. How difficult is that and how much of your heart and your time does that take? I mean, you know, first of all, everybody's a leader, you know, every single one of us and what we lead is our own lives. And, and this is where I wanted to lead my life, you know, and, and, and spend my time. And, and, you know, I, again, I can't encourage enough people to just, you know, focus in on a passion and use your skill set. doesn't just take money. You know, you can use your skill set to to make a big difference. And, but as far as leadership goes, I mean, I've been asked to talk a lot about leadership and I do talks here and that, but I'll just break it down. Leadership is, is honestly, I, I feel like it's, it's tough and it's relentless. And for what I do, I live with, with a team of people and, and we, you know, can do 160 to 200 events a year and it's constant, no matter, you know, how you're feeling or whatever, you, you just have to lead and you, you just got to know that it's, it's not always easy, but you know, there is a personal satisfaction in, 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 in leading it and, and seeing the results and being able to bring a lot of people together for a common cause and, and do some good. And, and just, uh, you know, going back to the eco warrior thing, just to touch on that, I, I'm really just a normal person, but, and I feel like, uh, I just kind of want to be known as like a hardworking American, you know, and cause that's, that's what takes hard work and leadership takes a lot of hard work too. So anyway, just throwing it out there. We got a phrase that we have a copyright on that we use all the time because we think it's critical. Ordinary people living extraordinary lives. Yeah, that's perfect. That's, that's, that sums, that sums it up. I, I really do mean that. Like, uh, Cause I, I do, I do live an extraordinary life and it's, it's, it's really an amazing, uh, life and it just, things happen like, like this program, like I'm on here and then you don't know what happens from there. And things really have, have snowballed from honestly the first day I started, but it goes back to show you if you, if you use your time and you're doing good work, good things can happen to you. And I, I would be an example of that. And that's how I feel. I've had, you know, I've spoke to, I had, a, uh, got to stand on stage at the Kennedy center and speak to all four past presidents to a packed house. I mean, I could go on and on of the amazing things that have happened that I didn't seek out. I'm just trying to, you know, clean up rivers and, and it's just been amazing. And so, yeah, just, uh, I mean, it's been amazing. <laughs> You know, what's funny. I, I think what happens, I think sometimes with, with people like you, and I wish there were tons more, but I think what happens is people, maybe some of you that are watching right now or listening, you go, okay, well, that's Chad. It came easy for him. He's, you know, he's really rolling, but Chad, it wasn't easy. How many times did you think this whole thing was going to blow up? How many times were you told no? How many times did you have to say, is this worth fighting for or not. Can, can, you, can you explain the difference between somebody who just kind of fades away and says, well, what can I do? And somebody like you that found a way to be relentless. No, and, and, and 
the the word relentless does fit me uh, pretty good. I mean, I I you know I, I look at something and I I I really work hard to try to whatever that task or that goal is, and and sometimes things don't happen overnight, and you just got to keep going and going and going and motion forward is what I'm all about. My my wife says I'm I'm addicted to progress, which is not a bad thing. Um, but uh, you know, I will. I I built this thing uh, on simply put, uh, um, um, overcoming hurdles or obstacles in front of me, and and you know, you either go over hurdles, you go through the hurdle, you go around it, under it, whatever it is, and and I mean, I can't tell you, it has been a real struggle. I mean. I've sank 11 boats in the first five years. You know, I mean, it's, that's just the, the boat sinkings. That's not the financial constraints and just everything that's happened. And, and so, uh, but you, you learn from those and you make it a better and safer operation. And, and you, you, you learn from all the things that happen to you. And, and that's, that's what I've done. It's amazing what you've done. I mean, I, I, one of the things, Chad, I think that you know, you you come across as a, as a fairly as a fairly young guy, and I'm wondering if the volunteers or the people that you work with, you know, many in our audience are people who are 50, 60, 70 and over yeah. who are really looking to make a difference. What yeah. have you found about the older volunteer or somebody who's in that stage of their life? Amazing, like, uh, like, yeah, no, that's a great question uh, for us. Like, it's honestly, it's our volunteers are from nine to 90 and that's not an exaggeration. It's a wide spectrum, but with the older volunteers, I see a lot of gung ho people that, that, you know, want to stay like youthful and, and what we do is fairly physical. And, and I see a lot of passion. It seems like uh, I would say, yeah. And people go out of their way to come help and be part of something bigger than themselves. And yeah, I would say that's, Yeah. Man, and look at look at all the stuff that you've learned in the time you've been doing this. I mean, you can yeah. cut to the quick now. You know, you're you're probably more effective now than you've ever been, and that's going to continue as as you age. Yeah, I mean, you learn as you go, and and you know, there's a lot of um, people with a lot of experience, uh, retired folks on, on our board of directors, and you know, people help out in different ways. But yeah, I mean, you gain knowledge as you grow older. There's no question. You know, it's one thing to get your friends together and go out and clean up some bottles and cans and stuff like that. But cleaning, what you do is expensive. Tell us about the costs and how of all the places you and your organization, Living Lands and Waters, has been able to work with everyone from small businesses to the biggest corporations. And not just getting them to donate funds, but to actually donate their workers as volunteers. Yeah. Um, No, it's it's I'll tell you. What's amazing, truthfully, aside from the producing results in the team, is is just straight up how generous Americans are, and 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 I mean, just really amazing people. Not only volunteering the time, but the financial resources. Like I think there's like twelve thousand people on our database, and thousands give every year, and and we work with companies who not only you know give financial help, but they give their muscle power, and and it's just. It, it takes a lot. I mean, it's like $1.8 million a year to operate five barges, towboats, cranes, um, you know, and, and all that. And a team of people to go town to town, city, city. But, um, you know, it, it just, it's expensive, but we get a lot of results. And it, I mean, that's, it's, everybody's part of the team, you know? 
now that you've shown that it is possible to make a difference and people do care about the conditions of our rivers, how many other organizations like yours, like Living Lands and Waters, are springing up out there? There's there's thousands. And I, I, I really mean that. I've looked it up. Like nationally, there's like it's like 2,000 or more, 6,000, I don't know what it is, thousands of environmental groups doing great work. Uh, and I, I would encourage people to get involved locally, for sure. I mean, we can use all the support we can get, but this isn't a fundraiser. This is just, you know, for you guys to... You know, if you care about a rivers, streams, lakes, trees, whatever, like find an organization that fits you. And, and I can guarantee they need your help. hundred percent. The final question, Chad, I know you got to run. What, what are your plans for living lands and waters and for yourself? Where's your focus going to be as we move forward? Um, well, I mean, I, I want to do this sounds, I mean, it's just the truth. I want to do more of the same. I want to continue to do more cleanups in more places and manage it the same way we do. I want this, you know, not, not much more staff, just we're a small tight team that gets a lot done. And I think if you're organized, uh, that's, that's just, you know, we're not a business, so we don't need to grow, but I, I do want to keep it manageable, but be able to produce more results. So yeah, more places and, and just, uh, more, more garbage out of our rivers. That's good. Brother, I I hope that you keep getting more and more exposure because your message is exactly what we need right now, not just to save the planet, but to bring ourselves back together, to live empowering lives and to learn more about Chad. And there's a lot to learn. It's a great read. His history and what's yet to come. And also, most importantly, how you can help and the fact that you can. There's a lot that we all can do to make a difference. Start by going to livinglandsandwaters.org and learn more about the great Chad Pagracki. Up next, they call her the Lobster Lady. At 101, she's the oldest lobster fisherman alive. We'll find out what it is that keeps her going. This is Growing Boulder. Growing Boulder provided by Calibrate. People who can't lose weight are often focused on willpower instead of biology. The Calibrate Metabolic Reset combines GLP-1 medication, one-on-one video coaching, and a holistic curriculum to help members lose 15% of their body weight on average. And Calibrate guarantees results. More information at joincalibrate.com.
I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton. I don't know if any of you have ever caught one of Mark's thought-provoking, growing bolder presentations, but he has a little exercise that he has the audience do that we can try right now just to show you that we have all been programmed to... Well, let's just say underestimate older people, Mark. And what you do is pretty revealing. Uh, it's really pretty simple as well, Bill. And, uh, you know, what I do sometimes is ask the audience to close their eyes and picture somebody who is in their 80s or 90s or 100s and, and ask them what they see. Uh, and many of them see someone that's in a pine box six feet underground. And that really is an acceptable answer, folks, because the average life expectancy today in this country is 77 years old for men and less than 80 years old for women. If they do see someone alive who's 80, 90, or 100, typically it's uh, someone that's in their bed, uh, a frail elderly. But then I show them video of real people Ordinary people in their 80s and 90s and even 100s who are exercising, running, dancing, traveling, uh, having fun. Uh, And the whole idea is to make the point that whatever is in your mind ultimately ends up in your body. Your psychology drives your physiology. What the mind believes, the body embraces. It's been proven. So to help you change your mindset, we're going to give you another real-life example, another powerful image, because our next guest is 101 years old, and what she does would be tough on anybody of any age. And Mark, it's, it's just amazing. She is the oldest licensed lobster fisherman in the world. And is she ever going to change your perception of age? Let's go to Rockland, Maine and say hello to the lobster lady, Virginia Oliver. Virginia, how are you? Well, I'm good. How are you? And it is great to hear your voice. And the first question I want to ask you is, when someone says, hey, here's Virginia Oliver, she's 101, what do you think? Does that boggle your own mind? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is going to be fun. You know, Virginia, one of the, the, the myths that we like to bust here, a lot of people think that if you live to be 100, it is totally dependent upon your genetics. And genetics do play an important part, but, but, but really the biggest part is lifestyle. Old age does not run in your family. I know that your mom died at 50. Your brother and sister have both passed away. What do you think is different about you? What's responsible for you not just living to 101, but living to an active 101? Well, you've got to keep busy all the time. And, Virginia, keeping busy is exactly what you do. We called you the lobster lady like everyone does. Tell us, what what is that like? What is it like when you go on a haul? What When do you get up, and what's your typical day like? Well, I have to get up at 5 or 3. Then we have to go and get a bait for the day, and... I have to band the lobsters and measure them, make sure they are legal. It's amazing, Mark. I've seen video of her. I don't know if you had the chance to look at it yet, but they'll go in a hall. She and her son get on this 30-foot boat that looks like it's probably almost as old as she is, and off they go. It's amazing. Yeah, and her son, Bill, we should note, he's just a young whippersnapper. He's only 78 years old. So uh, her 78-year-old son and 101-year-old Virginia go out uh, and bring in lobsters. Uh, Virginia, do you like to eat lobsters? What do you do with them when you bring them back? 
Well, I cook them, pick them out, and we have lobster rolls. Oh, my gosh. Lobster rolls. Do you sell them? Is this a business? No. No, we just uh, bring them home for, you know, but... The most of the lobsters we sell at the Spruce Egg Co-op. So you you put you you actually put traps out, right? Like how many traps do you put out? Well, well I have two hundred on my own. Two hundred, Virginia. Let me ask you this, and folks, again, I don't know if we can say this enough times. We're talking to a one hundred and one year old lobster lady, the world's oldest uh, lobster person in the world, I would guess. She goes out on a daily basis, as Bill noted, gets in a boat and catches lobster. Um, what's it like to be 101 years old, uh, Virginia? Because uh, I know there's some challenges. Uh, I'm surprised that you're able to hear us as well as you do. We've talked to a lot of centenarians, and many of them really can't hear us. But you seem like you've got good hearing. I'm guessing you have a hearing aid. Is that true? And your mind seems to be unbelievably oh, yes. sharp. And I've lost one my hearing aids. Now I've got to get another one. <laughs> Uh, do you like being 101? Is it fun? Well, yes. Because I can do, you know, I'm going to do about anything I want to. And you know, Mark, her life at 101 really hasn't changed much over the decades because, Jenny, your husband was a lobsterer. And it, when did you, you've been lobstering with him until he passed away. When was that? Uh, it passed away 15 years ago. And, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I bet I bet that was a terribly difficult time. And a lot of people, when that happens, they really wonder what their own future is going to be. But how, how do you overcome things like that and push forward? Well, I just make myself keep busy doing things. And I guess that's about all I do. And what are those things other than lobstering, uh, Jenny? What do, what do you like to do? How do you spend your time when you're not on the boat? Oh, I like to cook a lot, and I cook, and I give it to my kids. And is, is, is the accent that I detect, is that a Maine accent? And forgive my ignorance for not knowing, have you always been a Maine girl? Yes, I have. I've always lived in Markland. And I still live on the same street. The same street you uh, were born on? I, yes, I was born, not in the house I live in now, it's the next one down from it. But I was born on this street, too. And, and don't tell me that your husband was your next-door neighbor. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so funny. It even goes further than that, Mark, because uh, all of four of Jenny's children live in Rockland to this day. And when she says she cooks, every Saturday they come to her house and she cooks dinner. That's right. Well, you know, that's one of the keys to active longevity, folks, uh, that, that we hear all the time is having – a good family, having good friends, having, you know, social support. Can you talk a little bit about that, Virginia? How important is it to you to have uh, a supportive family around, not just to help you, but, but uh, you know, to give you something to do? Well, it gives me something to do, and, well, I, I couldn't get along with all of them now. 
So, Virginia, let me ask you this, because uh, I'm not 100% sure where Jill, our producer, found you. I, I have heard that there was a big article about you in a major newspaper recently. Uh, it seems like you're getting some press, which you certainly deserve. Uh, you're an incredible example for all of us at 101 years old, living an active, engaged life. What's it like becoming a celebrity at, at the age of 101? I never thought I would be one. Are you enjoying it? Are you hearing from other media as well? Oh, yes. I keep, you know, hearing things and people call me and, and all are, that kind of thing. And are you afraid or worried about talking to the media? Because a lot of uh, older people in their 90s and 100s just aren't willing to take the risk to, take to, uh, to talk to somebody they don't know. Were you worried or scared about this interview? No. No, I'm not scared. <laughs> Bill, there you go. You know, it's it, you got to be fearless as you get older. You know, so many people are afraid that, you know, that the experience is going to be uh, not fun. It's going to be embarrassing. They're not going to be able to answer the questions that, that, that they won't talk to us after they get to be 100. But, but son of a gun, listen to Virginia. Jenny, what do you... What do you like to tell the media? What do you like to tell people when they come up to you to meet you or to learn about how to live a fulfilling life? What do you tell them? Well, they come up to me and say, well, how did you live this long? And I said, well, no, I don't really know. Except you just do all the things you've always done, and that's all I know. Have you ever thought about making up an answer just to amuse yourself? So that when no. people <laughs> Hey, here's one here's one, Mark. I'm I'm gonna poke poker a little bit and see if we get a response on this one. So Virginia, it must be kinda sad. Uh you must be stuck at home on on the days that you don't go on a lobster hall because I'm sure you, you don't drive. Oh yes I do. <laughs> yep. How often? Oh, I usually go up to the store every day. And what do you what do you drive over? Do you have a little, uh, you know, like a tiny little car you go over there? Oh, in? no, I have a GMC four-wheel drive truck. <laughs> <laughs> and um, do you date at all, Virginia? I know your husband passed away 15 no, years. No, no. No, that's it? No, what? I wouldn't find anybody to suit me. Nobody to suit you. What, if you could find somebody to suit you, what would you look for in a partner? Well, of course, I got, I got married at 17. Wow. And so I I wouldn't find one like my husband more, so I don't want anybody. They just want you to take care of them. Do you have any regrets about life, Virginia, now that you've reached 101? Is there anything you'd do different, or do you think you did it pretty well? No, I wouldn't do a thing different. Can you imagine that, Bill, uh, reaching the age of 101 and having no regrets? That's just like maybe the greatest blessing that anyone could ask for. And from what everyone says, it's it's like the key. And, and, and another big thing is... Virginia has lived in the same town, in the same street since the day she was born. For much of that time, for nine decades, she's been a lobsterer. And, Jenny, isn't it done almost the same way today as it was a hundred years ago? Oh, 
Yeah, a lot of it is, but, you know, they have restrictions on it now that you can only have 800 per bottle. And so I have 200, so my son can have 600 now. And it didn't used to be that way. You could have all you wanted. It's got to be dangerous out there on the boat. Do you do you get tired? Do you get have you ever been hurt? Oh yes, a crab. Been, well, my son-in-law likes crabs, so I was saving some to take home to him. And that crab bit many, and I had to have seven sisters taken in it because if there had been a bone in my finger, in my little finger would have bit it off. I think. And, Mark, this is important because it goes along with what you say in your presentation. She also, not long ago, broke her wrist, her right wrist. It wasn't lobstering, but she did break it. Where a lot yeah, of people... Oh, I was up cleaning the lights over my lavatory, and I stepped down because I, I didn't walk. So I fell down and off that and... And Virginia, so many people, when that happens to a parent of ours or a loved one, we kind of want to wrap them in bubble wrap and say, do you see what happens? You need to stay home. But you disagree with that completely. Yeah, I'm right. I'm not going to do that. She's going to keep on keeping on. Hey, uh, Virginia, I've got one more question about lobsters because you mentioned that there is a limit now. Uh, do you do you reach the limit? Are there enough lobsters out there, or are there fewer lobsters now than there were maybe a decade? There, were, there are fewer lobsters. I think that, you know, it is overfished, really too many people into it and too many traps. Hey, uh, Virginia, let me ask you this. Are you enjoying this conversation? Do Bill and I bore you? Uh, are, are you? Uh, is, is this fun for you? What do you think about what we're doing? Oh yeah, have to have a little fun. <laughs> our our organization is called Growing Bolder because we think that people who are growing older kind of get a bad rap. People think that oh look, that's an older person; they're not worth much or. Get them out of the way. But you, you show people a different view. What do you think about that? Well, I'm not going to have them tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want to. And, and what do you want to do? What's still on your to-do list? Is there anything left undone? Is there any dream that you still have, or are you just taking it one day at a time? Oh, I just go one day at a time. I think we could all learn from that. Uh, and, 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 Virginia, I just want to thank you for, you know, being up for this and giving you, uh, giving us some of your time. Because, you know, Bill and I always say that, you know, our culture makes us want to believe that as we grow older, our time is less valuable. And we believe just the opposite, that as we get older uh, and we have less time, it becomes more precious. And for you, Uh, To give us some of your time at 101 years old is a great gift to us and a great blessing. And and we're grateful that you've taken the time to talk to us today. So thank you so much. Well, you're very welcome. What about that, Bill? I mean, you know, it's it's, you know, you talked about how many lobsters are in how many 101 year olds (laughs) are, are in the world. 
that you can invite on, on a radio program, podcast, and have them respond as quickly and as personably as she market. It, it, it's, it, it's a sign of what's possible for all of us. She represents what I think we all aspire to. I don't know about you, but I have no interest in living to 100 if my last 20 years are just filled with disease and disability and loneliness. But if I could live to be 101 and be like Virginia and go out on a boat with my son every day uh, and be out in the fresh air and catch and eat lobsters and bake and hang out with my family... um, Man, sign me up for that. She's what we all aspire to. And and as you note, Bill, she's just an ordinary person who has uh, somehow managed to live an extraordinary life just because she's got the right attitude. Great point. She's surrounded by love, and she has purpose. Her name is Virginia Oliver, one of Growing Boulder's rock stars of aging, and she proves it by staying active and making good choices and having a little bit of luck. A happy and healthy and fulfilling 101 years is possible for us all. Up next, all she really wanted to do was play basketball, but she did far more than dribble the ball. She smashed the stereotypes. She broke the glass ceiling for women executives everywhere. This is Growing Bolder. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingbolder.com slash podcasts. Have you heard about the free miracle treatment that slows or even reverses the effects of aging? A treatment that has been verified by hundreds of independent studies to be effective in combating all age-related diseases? This free miracle treatment is called exercise. Without exercise, we lose 15% of our muscle between the ages of 50 and 70. After that, it jumps to 30% per decade. As we lose muscle, we gain fat and our metabolism slows down. That leaves more sugar in our blood, making us vulnerable to multiple diseases. Research proves that exercise builds muscle even into our 90s, not only holding back, but in many cases, turning back the hands of time. You know, it seems like there are really two kinds of people out there, the ones who see a wrong and say, eh, nothing I can do about it, and others who step up to actually do something. That is Donna Orender, uh, the kind of person who's breaking barriers. She's been doing it since middle school. She went on to become a star in the WNBA and then a big-time sports executive. But now she's in her most important fight yet against gender discrimination. She's fighting to even the playing field for women, and not just in sports, but in life in general. First of all, let me say this. I am lucky to live in Jacksonville. 
I love Jacksonville. I never would have thought that, if, in case you can't tell, in a few more minutes. I am a born and raised New York girl who never thought she would leave New York, ever. But she did, and what a life she's had. Donna Orinder is a former collegiate and professional basketball player who might never have had the chance if she hadn't stepped up as a young girl to fight for her right to participate in sports. You didn't realize you were that kind of person when you were 14 years old and said, hey, I want to play tennis in high school. Why can't I play on the team? And they said, well, girls don't play tennis. Well, they don't play on the boys' team. That's what they did say. And I said, why not? Why not? Just give me a chance. She turned that chance into an opportunity to play pro. But she wanted more, a stronger voice, a position of leadership. She became a sports executive, spent 17 years at the PGA, and then became commissioner and president of the WNBA, helping solidify the league in nearly every respect. After six years there, she was ready to take on a new mission, her own organization, Generation W, which she was proud to locate in Jacksonville. That's what I to say. I'm excited to bring people here, and obviously we host a now national event every year. We bring people from all over the country, over 30 states, and they all come here and they go, I had no idea. And I love when they say that. I had no idea. But now you do, and guess what? They come back. And as for Generation W, let's just say the time is right, and Donna is the perfect person to lead it. I'm all about trying to understand and recognize that we all have value, and that that value should be equally recognized. Donna has no doubt that change will happen. At the age of 63, she is ready to continue the fight, relentless in her desire to make a difference. An age... She says that just gives us an advantage. You know, when you get older, you have this wonderful gift of perspective and experience. And you say, wait a second, I made it through that. And I got, I, I got some muscle in me. I've got some muscle memory that says, yeah, you can do that. You can get through these tough things. And, um, and I think about that a lot. I think the greatest thing I ever got from playing sports is understanding that I had the ability to do more and go further than I ever thought I could. She's proof that it's not about skill as much as it is conviction, confidence, and determination. You were not the fastest. Not the fastest. Not the tallest. Not the tallest. You couldn't jump the highest. I could jump, but not the highest. What did you have? I had this incredible determination that no matter what, no one was going to outwork me. Right? And in that process, um, no one was going to be better than me. And you took that attitude and you applied it to your life after Every day. you were done playing. Every day. That is the most valuable lesson I learned. I've learned working hard is good, but working smart is better. And so Generation W was born. It was educating, inspiring, connecting women. I wanted it to be a national thought leadership event. I wanted Jacksonville to be on the map where great ideas were discussed and people came from all over and wanted to come here to do that. And the beauty of that is we're able to bring to life this whole idea of the true power of, of connection through intergenerational connectivity. Is being in your 60s different than when you were 30 and you met somebody or thought about somebody in their 60s? Yes! It's so different because it's interesting. The other day I was talking to somebody. I forgot who it was. And um, they said to me, how long are you going to be doing this? 
And I said, what do you mean? In my brain, I'm 25. All right, I'm 35, but that's all I am. Are you gonna let someone else tell you how you're supposed to be feeling? Or are you gonna feel how you feel? And I wanna be able to take experience, which is a privilege and a gift that we don't have when we're younger and provide that as an overlay in a way that younger people can hear that helps us all be better. Because to you, you're just the 14-year-old kid who said, can I play tennis? I'm just that kid who looks at the world and says, hey, do you want to play on the girls' team? Do you want to play on the boys' team? Or do you want to create like a new paradigm? And what does that look like that allows everybody to play together? And I feel like that's kind of where I am. Donna Orender fighting what she believes is her most important fight ever for gender equality. When we come back, saving for retirement, and we'll find out what's on Mark's mind. This is Growing Boulder. Subscribe to Growing Boulder magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingbolder.com slash podcasts. All right, time now for one of the best segments of the entire program, the one where we get to learn about perspective, where we get to ask Mark Middleton, Mark, what is on your mind this time? You know, Bill, I think it's going to be on your mind as well, because together we went to watch the Rolling Stones in Tampa. And, you know, you you have a far more refined sense of the quality of music and performance and all that. But I have to tell you, I was absolutely blown away by 78-year-old Mick Jagger, 77-year-old Keith Richard, and 74-year-old Ronnie Wood. And as I wrote on Facebook, these guys could have phoned it in. They are so revered that they could have just come out and been versions of their younger selves and people would have been okay but son of a gun they exploded onto the stage with energy and 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 the quality of their their performance was was astounding you know one of the things maybe to their detriment mark is how easy they make everything look the songs that they write they're simple songs you know they're not deep prog rock they're just straight ahead rockers but they're brilliant the guitar playing from keith richards he doesn't do what eric clapton does you know play a million notes on time he drives the rhythm. That's the way he plays. And Mick, he doesn't run because he he thinks it's cool. That's who he is. And to see these guys do that at such a high level in their 70s, this is one of the greatest stories of our lifetime. You know, I I knew, Bill, that you would take it to a music level, which I appreciate. I, I can't, I'm not smart enough to understand that when it comes to music, but I will tell you this, that more than perform and entertain they inspired and I think there were thousands of people in the audience like me who probably weren't sophisticated enough to understand the brilliance of their playing but to see what they were doing how they were doing it the message that I got is that it is not too late to get out there and rock. It's such a good point. And you know how they did it? They didn't do it by with scientific papers or anything like that. They did it by being the example. They weren't faking it. They're on tour not to make more money, not to hear more applause. They're out there because they love every minute of what they do. And when you have passion in your life and when you have purpose and you're doing what you love, 
that's what Mick Jagger's all about, sprinting up and down the stage. Keith Richards up there playing Amazing Risk. These guys still got game, and it just shows you that the rest of us can do it too. Hope you've enjoyed the program today. I hope you're inspired to get out there and make the most of your life, and we'll see you again right here next time. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder, LLC, all rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, going high and mighty trapped. Countless fire and flaming road, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges soon, said I. Oh